Because <laughs> I turned around. The macaroons were right all along! Oh, you heard that one? Yeah. That's oh, not one of your best. Were you there? No. Oh. I'm. I'm everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> Big damn welcome to you all to another Big Damn Cast. Big damn contact at gmail.com, Big Damn Cast on Twitter. I am Big Damn Chris. I am Big Damn Matt. And we are not going to put the Big big Damn prefix on everything we say, because that would get weird. Quickly, to the Big Damn computer. Get the Big Damn shot repellent spray. Um, okay. Label it all with handy ca- cards. My gosh, Batman, the label making machine doesn't have a label on it. <laughs> Don't worry, old chum. We'll print out a bat label-making machine label from the label-making machine. Label it by hand. By Jing. By Jove. By craft. By other by things. Arts, by crafts. I don't know anymore. <laughs> but what I do know is that we're back with some nonsense to talk about. We're going to dive straight Yay! in because there's a lot of news this week. And also we're going to later on be talking about Luke Cage. We're going to review it spoiler free. And then we're going to dive into some juicy spoilers. Because uh, hands up people who finished it. Hands up. My hands are up. My hand is also up. I'm not going to tell you where it's up, but it is up. Oh, yes. <laughs> they call him Jim Henson for a reason. Okay. <laughs> so... First off, though, the Batman movie has got a name. Ben Affleck's solo Batman movie about the Batman has been named... The Batman. I was going to say Clive, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Can you Batman... imagine if they didn't make a Batman? What if they just called it Bruce? <laughs> well, it's like, last time... And they Batman re- wasn't in any of the trailers. Last time they rebooted it, they called it Batman Begins. This time it could just be Bruce Brunches. <laughs> Bruce has breakfast. Alfred, bring me my morning paper. Bat breakfast. You woke up at 1pm, sir. The morning paper is no longer the morning paper. Getting We've got real... the afternoon edition, sir. Getting real tired of your shit, Master Wayne. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who's this Who's this man in my suit? Everyone is Alfred. Can we have uh, Sean Pert to be Alfred? Can we just have a movie called Alfred? Just Alfreds. Just Alfredo. Has there ever been a multiverse team-up of Alfreds? Batman well and Alfredo. A multiverse Alfred story. Why has no one done this? DC, get on that shit. Uh, but in the meantime, hurry up and finish this Ben Affleck Batman script because uh, the feel, Batman's the title. I feel like it, we knew it was called the Batman anyway. Yeah, well, or at least it was. It was pretty heavily rumored it was just going to be called the Batman. Well, Man of Steel pinched the previous version of Batman's title thing of, of going like we'll call it by a nickname. So they couldn't do that again this time, I guess, for Batman. Unless they call him Cape. Like... Well, they won't call him Cape Crusader because that. Uh, it's that, too jolly, isn't it? Yeah, it says fun. That that's the name that says fun. Um, <laughs> and they couldn't call him Dark fun? Knight Detective because then everyone would be like, "What? Boy? The world's greatest detective's a bit too long." Yeah. Um, and. My God, please help me. I, I, I can't smile. The muscles from my face that make smiles have disappeared. The Bat of Gotham. Oh, that line. I mean, the whole film made me feel queasy, but... Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. <clears throat> what? What? Just say versus the Batman. Nobody cares about Clark Kent versus the Batman. Yep, you're damn right. It's true. Nobody it's does. very true. <laughs> Nobody cares. But the Batman is its title, so uh, that's a thing. Say what else is a thing. What's the thing? Doctor Strange! Doctor Strange! We'd get it on October the 25th over here. Yes. I'm so excited! The UK have it in 20 days from us recording this podcast. Oh, yes! And I want it in my mouth, in my eyes, and in every other possible entrance. I wanted it all, my sensory organs. <laughs> 
And a few organs that aren't sensory, to be fair. You dirty, beautiful I swine. Am. I am dirty and beautiful. And they've whet our appetites. <laughs> whet him. They've whet him. A little more this week with two new teaser trailers, what? TV spots. Well, one TV spot specifically mm-hmm. uh, called Rewind. Uh, but I say two because a bunch of people noticed, hang on, this appears to be the story backwards. Also, there's a bunch of backwards dialogue in there. Yeah, what are these weird sounds that sound like missing bits from the Red Dwarf episode backwards? Erdskip. <laughs> Erdskip. Erdskip. Not null. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bulgarian. <laughs> um, oh, so a bunch of clever people went. I wonder what happened if I take this trailer, pirate it from the internet, pirate it, yar, and play it backwards. Well, I think this one's Marvel are kind of hoping people will pirate it and reverse it. I don't think it's piracy if it's a trailer that's been released for free. Uh, yeah, well, as long as you don't put ads on it, if you put ads on it, that's piracy. Yar! I mean, that's piracy, I think that's... Yar, just... matey! I think that's just a dick. Piracy, yar! Yar, piracy! Yar, 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 yar! Yar, yar, yar. But if you reverse it, you get a few extra bits of dialogue. The tagline works the same both ways around. Because it's, um... Uh, now is his... Uh, no, hang on, what is it? I can't remember. Uh, his time is now, is what you see in the TV version. Reversed, now is his time. Because because the first screen it, the first screen is uh, his time. Think you're clever, do you? Mm. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. Oh, oh. Think you're smart. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Think you're smart, Marvel marketing department, do you? Well, I've got news for you. Uh, you are quite clever. Mm. Um, that in fact, Disney in particular are very so clever with their marketing that the other trailer they put out this week, which I didn't bother watching. Because... Oh, it's you know what? I'll I'll I will. I will display its wellness to you in full with my mouth. Will you? Um, they released a trailer with a very, very clever uh, choice made. The trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, could you get a clunkier title? Nope. Could you get one? Yeah, you probably could. Uh, Give me a clunkier title than Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell really no bad tales. eggs, drink up me hearty yo ho. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, w- Pirates of the Caribbean, we want the redhead. I would watch the crap out of that, because I'd be like, that's from the ride! And that's, well, my mammalian brain works! Pa- it's something I recognise! Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, savvy? Apparently, it's just a question mark. Apparently my mammalian brain sounds like Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mammalian. mammalian. <laughs> like, I recognise those words! I'll go see the film! My million brain! <laughs> I'm a clever boy. Hello, dear. Um, but the trailer, the teaser trailer shows a ship being boarded by what appears to be ghostly, um, seafarers, pirates, criminals boarding this ship and taking everybody, like, down, taking all the soldiers down. Uh, they move the effects around them, like, the way their hair moves, the way their clothes move. It's like they're underwater. Hmm. And the captain of this, of this terrifying crew is Javier Bardem's Captain Salazar. Or as he says, Captain Salazar. Because he's Javier Bardem, um, who confronts uh, a lad we know to be playing the do- the son, the daughter, <laughs> a lad we know to be playing the son of Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan from the original films, uh, in his cell, picks up a wanted poster off the floor for Captain Jack Sparrow. He says, "You know this pirate." And he's like, "Tell him death comes swift. Tell him, you know, um, you will tell him, please." And he sort of, it's that classic Javier Bardem, I'm kind of quirky, but also fucking terrifying. I'm going to murder you, but I'm going to be weird about it. And that. then it the pulls away, and we get this familiar, dr- uh, yo, oh, yo, oh, pirates love. That ghostly song as the drum beat gets bigger. We pull out of this metallic skull covered in like a sort of flame sort of stuff. 
and then it cuts away and it simply says 2017. It's a really atmospheric trailer because it's just a short scene. It's a proper teaser because you're like, oh god, this is so this is the dude. Like, and these men like walk through the bars of the cell, like just pass through them. It's really intimidating and really freaky. And as Lou and I pointed out this week when we were watching it, they made a very smart decision to not include Captain Jack Sparrow. Which is smart for two reasons. One, because obviously controversy surrounding Johnny Depp recently. Uh, mm. Probably not the best thing to be like, and here's the star, everyone! The guy who may or may not be a wife beater. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, also, it's clever because you're not going to go, oh, here he is again in another silly hat. <laughs> doing silly hat things with his silly hat and his silly hats. He does have a silly hat. He's a silly man. But I'm, I'm when it comes to Pirates of the Caribbean, I fucking love Curse of the Black Pearl. I oh, love it's a great that movie. movie. Yeah, it's great. I kind of like Dead Man's Chest. I couldn't give two shades of shite about uh, At World's End. I saw it once and was bored. And I sort of like On Stranger Tides, if only for Penelope Cruz and Ian McShane. I mean, I like um, Ian McShane in pretty much everything. But he's great in that. Sides. He's great in that, though. He's proper intimidating because he's just—he doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't yar or anything. He just speaks quietly, and the whole film stops for him. I'll give you that, but it is a bad film. Yeah, it's not good. They do good villains though. This series, it is ungood. The villains of the series are pretty good, um, which is why I'm looking forward to seeing what Javier Bardem uh, has got to bring to the table. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. One thing I'm genuinely excited for, and we're moving into Netflix country, my friends. This is Netflix country. It is Netflix country. Grab your, grab your hats. Your silly hats. Not you, Mr. Depp! You stay over there! But I just want to put my silly hat on and do my Keith Richards. You're my best friend, Joey Smith. I love doing doing cocaine with you. Series one of that's on Netflix now. If you've never seen Rick and Morty, season one is now on oh, the UK Netflix. Oh, yeah, give it a watch. And season two of The Limmy Show is also on Netflix. Give that a watch. But uh, Netflix debuted a bunch of trailers this week, including the uh, Haters Back Off trailer, Miranda Sings' show. Uh, do you aware of Miranda Sings? Miranda Sings? It's the YouTube character, the one who's got like the smeared lips thing. He's half like now, and she's... And the idea is she's a no, bad singer. I don't think so. Basically, the girl who plays her... It doesn't be girl. <laughs> She'd be like, fuck you, I'm a woman. The woman. <laughs> the woman who plays her is an, like a Broadway-level talent. She's phenomenally good. Like As a vocalist, as an actress, she's incredible. But the thing she's famous for is this freaking YouTube character who's not that funny, in my opinion. Well, not like who's... everyone who's famous on YouTube is always famous for a YouTube character that's not that funny. Apart from Bob Burnham. Despite the talent. Apart yeah. from Bob Burnham. Well, who, who then backed out of YouTube and went, yeah, this place is a shit show. Yeah. And left, and is doing much better without it. Thank you very much. But, um, sorry, I've just noticed on your future fight screens, that Misty Knight. Yeah. Oh, that's convenient. More on her later. And uh, on the um, all different black cat. Oh, and Shadowland Daredevil. Uh, uh, that's, that's Daredevil's that's... new costume. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, Shadowland's the plot. We'd get a point. Yeah, the point yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, actually, he's actually in the black costume. She's really talented. Her show is shy. It's about her becoming a YouTube star and a fake version of the actual story of the character. But one trailer they debuted was a teaser that is a long time coming. It's very Hitchcockian. Have you ever seen the teaser trailer for Psycho? The trailer for Psycho... Is that the one where he's on the... He's like... Is magnificent. This, this, this movie will scare the... I'm Alfred Hitchcock. I'm going to walk you around the set. And in between cuts of this trailer, I'm going to eat three steaks and a souffle. Um, basically, Alfred Hitchcock walks around the Bates <sighs> Motel set, the Bates Manor, and describes things that happen. In the film, but before he gets to the like the juicy detail, he sort of stops himself and go, stops himself and goes, "No, 
No, best not. <laughs> Too shocking. And it's a brilliant trailer because you basically the filmmakers going. This is the film and some horrible things. He, he talks about. He goes into the bathroom in the motel. And this is like the the scene in the the scene that takes place here in the bathroom. This shower is the sign the site of a grisly. Well, the poor young woman, and he just walks away, and you're like, "What? What is it? What? What do you mean? What are you talking about, Alfred?" It's a great teaser trailer, and imagine that playing in like when was Psycho out? Late fifties, yeah. early sixties. Imagine that teaser trailer playing in cinemas. People were like, "No, no, you big fat cock tease. Tell us more." <laughs> oh, Alfred, <laughs> you big fat cock tease. <laughs> oh, mighty jowls. Toby Jones or um. Anthony Hopkins, who you preferred uh, Hitchcock. I, you know, I don't think I've seen... I've not seen the Toby Jones one. That was the TV one, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Anthony Hopkins one on a flight. I've not seen the Toby Jones one. So I've not watched I've not watched one of them. I've not watched the other one in Ideal Conditions. How it's, about you? It's also... It's all, uh, oh, Toby Jones, always. It's also the second time that Toby Jones has played a famous hysterical figure. And someone else has and played Truman Capote, yeah. So... Seymour Hoffman. Poor Toby. Yeah, poor Toby. We love Toby Jones. We do I love Toby Jones. Um, he'd be great in this show, actually. Because, in true Hitchcock psycho teaser, tra- teaser trailer style, yes. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, the Netflix original series, got its teaser trailer <laughs> this week, presented by, scare quotes, Lemony Snicket, uh, who is being played in this series by the great, delicious Patrick Warburton. Which the delicious, the delicious, delicious Patrick, Patrick Warburton. Warburton. I do like Patrick Warburton. Squeak it, squeak Squeak it. Um, hey Peter, where's your boat? That's the thing that comes to me when I think Patrick Warburton. I think Cronk. I think the Tick. I think um, yeah. I think Joe Swanson. I think you know um, Doc. What's his name? In Venture Bros, is it Doc Samson? Uh, Brock Samson. No, Brock yeah, Samson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of I think of that voice. So when they first said, "Let me think," it's been made into a Netflix series. I was like, "Amazing!" I freaking love these series of unfortunate events books. Like I started reading them as a teen. Revisited them in my old teen years. See, I never... And then revisited them a couple years ago. I missed the Lemony Snicket train. They're so good. Well, I, I kind of caught on the back because they really got a boost during the time of the th- sort of second trilogy coming out. Like the, the books four, five, and six. Yeah. I remember the young adult section in W.H. Smith used to like plaster them as a display at this point. And then obviously the 2004 movie adaptation of the first three books um, gave it a boost. The 2004 Jim Carrey vehicle. Yeah, which which wasn't originally. His production company got involved. And they then went, oh, well, do you want to play Count Olaf? And he do you went, want to come do it, Jimmy? And he'd been reading the books to, I think, his kids. And he went, yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great. And then they put it under a hefty rewrite. And Count Olaf became less a menacing character and more a goofy character. He still gets a couple scenes where he's scary, but not as many as he should do. Um, but, yeah. And if you've got that on DVD, by the way, check out the costume tests because you see Carrie improvising in character before the script rewrites, and he's sinister. Um, but when they said Patrick Warburton's going to be playing, Jim Carrey Mr. Sinister in the next X Men movie. You heard it here first. <laughs> Probably would be actually. They, they have to get star power. To... Oh, actually, no, Mr. Sinister's not in the next X Men movie. Oh, it's Wolverine. Wolverine, yeah. Um, <sighs> but you heard it here first, kids. Um, so. Imagine if that actually turns out to be the case. Oh, We're going to no. be in so what much trouble. Done? They'll be like, we'll be in trouble. They'll be like, how did you find out? Or, thanks for the idea, guys. Um, so when they said Patrick Warburton was going to be Lemony Snicket, I was like, that's odd to me. Because Lemony Snicket is the sort of ever-present narrator of the books. He's the writer who's writing the story of the Baudelaire orphan, something that has happened. Mm-hmm. And he's writing it for you, usually whilst on the run. <laughs> usually whilst hiding somewhere. 
it's great and and he 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 refers to the events as have having happened he occasionally drops suggestions of involvement with characters and himself and it's like wait what and then he moves on before mm. he elaborates they're not like but i digress like he just moves on and there's no like thingy there are spin-off materials there was lovely snicket the unauthorized autobiography that came out alongside the series the unauthorized autobiography. which was published by yeah <laughs> which was published which was published by by egmont so the same publishers so when i first saw it i was like well this is this has got to be real right this could be it's a series of notes. It's folders found and collected by people at the publishers yeah. trying to get a bit more information on who the hell this client is who keeps dropping off these these uh, typewriter typed up finished books with their editor in these weird locations. And it's it's great because you read between the lines of it and you're like, this is amazing. Then they are, after the book series finished, they released the Beatrice Letters, which is a series of correspondences between characters, which again is like, hang on, that, but that means that, oh, 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 shit! I got so involved with these fucking things as a kid. They released a notebook. Uh, like, just an empty ver- a hardback, like the, the books were. The original release with the big bulky spines and the, the coloured spines. They released a, a notebook, which is a hardback. It's got quotes and bits and pieces in it, but it's mostly empty for you to make notes. My copy is upstairs. It is filled with code that I found in the books. <laughs> I shit you not. In the unauthorized autobiography, in the unauthorized autobiography, you find out about the Sebald code, which is a series, a type of code that's used in film and uh, the written word, where if a bell is rung, or the, or the word to signify the ringing of a bell is written, the first word after that, and then every other tenth word till the next ring is part of a code. And there's examples of this in the scraps in the unauthorized autobiography from various books some of them some of them real so he's had to have done some extensive research to make this work yeah. and some of them fictional i then reread the books and i found a ringing bell in like book three and i was like i wonder and i sat there and i tried it and there was a freaking hidden message in book three the unauthorized autobiography came out after book nine Jeez. He was playing a long game. So these books are great. The basic story is the Baudelaire children, uh, Violet, who's an uh, a uh, an inventor, mm-hmm. uh, Klaus, who is very knowledgeable. Books are his thing; like he, he absorbs knowledge. And Sunny, their baby sister, who's got uh, very uh, sharp teeth and likes to bite things. Uh, um, <laughs> live live with their mum and dad. Their mum and dad suddenly die in a massive house fire. It claims and kill claims their lives, kills them, eradicates like all the possessions. So a care worker, Mister Poe, has to take them to their closest relative. Unfortunately for them, the closest relative they can ascertain is the most geographically close relative, <laughs> which is like their fifth cousin, seven times removed, who is a count called Count Olaf who basically makes them his slaves. Like, they're doing housework, they're treated like shit. He smacks Klaus at one point, like, across the face and everything. This is like a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, the baby. Mm-hmm. Treats him like utter shit. He's got an acting troupe of really weird characters and um, who we hang out with him all the time, like a man with hooks for hands and, and uh, a man who's neither man nor a woman. Um, basically, just sort of a... a, a an indescribable beast and two women with powdered white faces and all that. These really creepy people who keep hanging out with him and keep track, keep an eye on the kids. Eventually they kind of realize that he's trying to spoiler alert for the first book, um, trick them into participating in a play he's putting on called the marvelous marriage because he's found out he's not going to get their inheritance just by adopting them. Mm -hmm. So if in the fiction of the play, Violet's character marries his and signs the papers on the stage, 
she's his wife and he has their fortune immediate access to it so it's already kind of creepy because it's like that's a 14 year old girl and a creepy old man creepy old man so the books have always had these really Did creepy they make for the film uh, Emily Browning played. She was about sixteen at the time. Oh, okay. But they, they make a big thing in the film, particularly of saying this is not a sexual thing. He just wants the legal binding contract so he can take the fortune, and then it's implied kill them. Um, they eventually get out of there, and the books continue on at least at first uh, with stories of them being put with a new guardian and someone showing up at some point, who's quite <laughs> clearly Olaf trying to get in on it and it's it's like it gets more and more sinister and by about book seven the whole series fli- is flipped on its head and the formula breaks apart and it gets really really creepy um so to have a netflix series based on this is great because the film though visually stunning and an amazing store by a score by thomas newman a really good casting across the board in terms of who we make who was cast to play the characters not to say of what actually the characters behaved like due to the script. Yeah. Like um, like Timothy Spall's Mr. Poe, the care worker, and uh, Billy Connolly as, as uh, their Uncle Monty, who's the first guardian they go to after Olaf. Uh, and, and um, oh God, what's her name? Oh, I've forgotten the name of the aunt from the third book. It's, it'll come to me. But played by um, uh, Meryl Streep. Uh, she's freaking great in it. And it's just like so many good cast members. Um, and it just doesn't quite work. And... It was because it was during that boom in mid-2000s films where films companies were going, quick, adapt every young adult and kids book we can. We've got to get some of that sweet, sweet Harry Potter money. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the only reason why it kind of got made. And obviously the kids aged quicker than the fill the turnaround of well, making the movie. They did the first allowed. three books in the movie. First three it? books, they take the finale of the first book, put it at the end. It's really weird. Uh, but the Netflix series looks great. Patrick Warburton wielding the words of Daniel Handler. I mean Lemony Snicket, who is the main writer for the series as well, which is great. Um the the him like wielding those words, he's having a ball doing it. He does it so well. There's a common trope he uses throughout the books where he sort of says things like, uh, uh found him to be a bit standoffish. A word which here means uh, they just sort of explain it. And it's so good. The books are brilliant because the books are written in a way that a kid would feel like the writer is going don't worry, I understand. Adults are a bit stupid, they won't get this. <laughs> it, it's so, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so good. Because all the adults in the series are fucking idiots or absolute monsters. And that's, it's, oh, they're, they're brilliant. I'm going to have to lend you the first book. Because you, you'd finish that in a night. Like, it's 130 pages. You'd finish it in a night. But just to sort of set the tone, this is, this is, the, this is the synopsis of book one, right? Dear Reader, I'm sorry to say that the book you are holding in your hands is extremely unpleasant. It tells an unhappy tale about three very unlucky children. Even though they are charming and clever, the Baudelaire siblings lead lives filled with misery and woe. From the very first page of this book, when the children are at the beach and receive terrible news, continuing on through the entire story, disaster lurks at their heels. One might say they are magnets for misfortune. In this short book alone, the three youngsters encounter a greedy and repulsive villain, itchy clothing, a disastrous fire, a plot to steal their fortune, and cold porridge for breakfast. It is my sad duty to write down these unpleasant tales, but there is nothing stopping you from putting this book down at once and reading something happy, if you prefer that sort of thing. With all due respect, let me snick it. The series has a big thing of going like, don't don't do this to yourself. Which which Netflix continued with their Twitter. Yes! When when this unfortunate (laughs) event's Twitter started tweeting. So like, like, don't don't follow this account. (laughs) Which is so good. And the trailer is Lemony Snicket basically saying, look, 
the whole crew have been given time off because they're depressed. <laughs> Go home. Don't look into this further and certainly don't watch it when it arrives in January. You also get to very briefly hear Count Olaf singing in the background in the unmistakable tones of Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm sorry to have rabbited on so long about it. No. But good no, God, I'm, sorry. I am passionate as a bean about those books, so I can't don't wait. Don't be so passionate I'll, as a I'll, bean. Oh yeah, I'll be binging the shit a out of that passion series. Passion bean. Come January, we'll probably do an episode. We'll do an episode, we'll have a look at the movie, and we'll we'll have a look at the series and stuff, because, Christ, I love them. Um, but another thing I love is Netflix's Marvel output. We'll get there in a second. We'll get there. But, Iron Put Fist. Put your pants back on. Iron Fist, Mother Trucker. Iron Fist. Tell me more, tell me more about Daniel Rand. Daniel tell more, Rand. Tell me more about his magic hand. Bop, 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 bop. Yeah, oh dear lord that was off the top of my so, head so for those of you who don't know Iron Fist <laughs> is, um, is probably the sound he'd make he's a kung fu hero uh, Daniel Rand young rich white boy young book young, uh, young spring chicken he's he's orphaned in the mines of Tibet and taken into the mystical city of Kunlun where he learns magic kung fu and <laughs> defeats the dragon Shaolo I think is the dragon's name and becomes the Iron Fist. Shao Lo, can you go? I believe it's his full name. Shao Lo, can you go? I could be completely wrong about the dragon's name, but either way. Plunges his heart into that, plunges his hands into the molten heart of a dragon and becomes the Iron Fist. I wonder if they're going to depict that, or if the, or if the heart of a dragon is going to be more like a chest. He doesn't, he doesn't really have Iron Fists. He has normal hands. <laughs> but he makes them like a thing onto the, onto, onto Iron. Um, and he kicks dudes through trains. Um, <laughs> we've got a release date! March seventeenth, no! two thousand seventeen. Oh, so roughly they're keeping to the pattern. Then it yeah. seems of, of uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then I'm guessing Defenders it's in it's September. Defenders, because I think they're filming Defenders now. God, that would make me so happy. Um, well, they're probably taking a break while Mike Coulter goes around all the uh, talk shows, being just smooth. being Mike Coulter. Um, Apparently, his voice broke to that deepness at the age of ten. Oh my god! According to his Conan. Interview. Oh my god! It's mental. Sorry, that's, um, that's amazing. But we've got a picture as well. Yeah, a um, lovely picture on on the old Twitters, the Netflix US post posted, uh, with the simple with the simple tagline of "Open heart, closed fist." God damn yes. And it's uh, some poor schmuck <laughs> about to about to get a fistful of rand. About to get oh god, like she's just <laughs> that's yours. That's your um, signature move, isn't it? It's just Danny <laughs> in the bedroom, Danny. My fistful of Rand. Danny Rand about to deliver just the biggest smackdown to some poor schmuck. With, again, a little detail to notice. Just a room of knocked out dudes behind him. <laughs> and he's, he's jumping up in the air. That's how hard he's going to hit this dude. Now, judging from what There's we've seen so, so many far, knocked out dudes there. Judging from the San Diego teaser... And this image, I think we're going to be Sans costume for the majority of this series. Yeah, I think And I'm fine with that. Because let's face it, Iron Fist's costume is Daredevil Season 1's Daredevil costume, painted green in what, in yellow. With this Iron Fist symbol. Which do, do you think when he gets the well. costume, he's going to go open chest? Yeah. Oh, open if chest it's costume. a tattoo, yeah. I think they'll go open they better chest. do the tattoo. Oh, and, good lord. And Finn Jones is a man in good shape, and he's been training again on top of what he normally does for this, so... If Matt's wearing bulletproof stuff to sort of like take take damage, and Luke doesn't cuss, and Jessica Jones is chugging back vodka at a rate of knots, at least give Danny Rand a tattoo. So we can have two 
we're sensible, kind of. And then two, we're not. Also, he doesn't need he doesn't need to wear bulletproof armor because he's the Iron Fist. Goddamn Iron Fist! I think man. he can use his chi to make his skin harder. I, cannot, I don't know. I don't know. I cannot wait for him and Luke to meet. Iron I Fist! Really can't wait. Oh my god, I can't wait. I hope he kicks a dude through a train like he does in the Immortal Iron Fist. I hope they go full kung fu. Because if Marvel They've proved any, Marvel proved anything this month, it's that they can adapt eras of cinema and television and make it work. Shall we dive in? The only thing with um, <laughs> the only problematic thing with Iron Fist is it does tie into the whole like, and it's just, again it's a problem with Doctor Strange of white dude comes to Eastern mystic mystic society becomes the best person there. <laughs> it's like oh, it's a bit. <clears throat> well, as long as they but show that, that he's not the best, then I think we'll be fine. As that, but as he's the Iron Fist. Though. He's the Iron Fist. But then they're not, mm. it depends if they're going to get into the whole the idea of there being multiple immortal weapons yeah. and the seven seas of heaven. He just happens to be one of them. I'd be fine with that. Because I, think, then, I, think, I think that's a way to make it feel less like the, the tried and slightly racist formula. Because then we all, then there's also the possibility <laughs> that we might get Fat Cobra and Tiger's Beautiful Daughter and Bride of Nine Spiders. Oh my god. Uh, and all those really, really cool characters. Just for the names alone. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> the immortal Iron Fist by Matt Fraction and David Aha and then Brew Baker is... Pretty great. Ed Brew Bay. You should definitely read it. Should we, should we do this? Let's do this. Okay, spoiler free for a bit. We'll give you a warning when the spoilers come. Let's well, talk let us about... talk about Harlem's hero. Oh my god, Luke Cage. So. Oh my days, Luke Season Cage. one of Luke Cage dropped this time last week. And by Jiminy Greaves. I hoovered it up. I, I hoovered it right up. I was, I was, I was busy all weekend. So basically, Sunday I binged a bunch of it. Mm. Monday I binged another chunk, and then uh, today's Wednesday, so it would have been last night. No, like yesterday afternoon, I just I, I hoovered up the last batch, like the last three or four episodes. Luke Cage is great. Let's just get that out of the way now. It is, in the words of the immortal Matthew Watson, totally great. It is. It's... And I, I, I put down on the on the old uh, the old Twitters like I'm not I'm not surprised that it's no. brilliant. No, it's delicious. It's nothing because like with the with Daredevil, I was like, oh, this is brilliant, awesome, which is what I wanted. Yeah, and there's that sort of sense of not expecting it to be as amazing as it is. But I just from everything they showed of it, and also the quality of their output so far, hmm. there is absolutely nothing surprising about how brilliant. Luke Cage was. That's very true. I think a lot of it is down to as well, like the faith. We have faith in them now. It's the same as the later MCU movies in that people like, in a world, if you'd have gone back five, six years and said, we're going to do an Ant-Man movie, people would have gone, really? Uh By the time Ant-Man rolled around, everyone was so like, ready to feast on the teat of Marvel already that they were like, bring it on. So Luke Cage, you're already going into it going, I expect quality Mm because you guys have dished it out so far. But we also got the, the the bonus of having Luke Cage be a character we already know. Yeah, so we know who we, we well we know roughly who he is and what he can do. But we met him in episode one of Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. and he's in about six of the episodes. About I think. Half of the season. Yeah. Um, and I mean we've seen him in action. We've seen him oh, like yeah, in full fledged fighting mode. We've seen him. We've seen him in a superhero fight already. We've seen we've... him in the bedroom. No. We've seen him in a superhero fight and a superhero fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and now we see. Well, now it's. I think it's now it's two. Two verse like ten. Now we've seen him fight a bit more than fuck. Well, but, but Luke Cage. He still for gets, when you want to fuck, he still gets coffee. <laughs> so I put that out on Twitter immediately. Luke I Cage like, I just gets like, coffee. Hey, Luke Cage, want to get some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, good god, I like, like coffee. 
Oh, God. <laughs> right, so basic summary of the series is that after the events of Jessica Jones, he's taken a bit of a quiet um, sort of incognito life he's gone to he's gone to harlem to find himself slash get lost and be left alone yeah he's working at pops which is uh as everyone keeps calling it switzerland yeah it's, it's, a, it's um, a neutral zone in harlem where everybody can come and feel like they're safe mm-hmm. so you come to get your hair cut get a shave play some video games let's have some snacks play chess just it's a nice place to be run by pop who is the nicest character um and Luke's been working there incognito. Uh, unfortunately, due to some horrific events involving uh, sort of local crime, gangland warfare, to do with turf and weapons acquisitions and everything, Luke is brought out of hiding, sort of accidentally forced in, into the limelight, um, and reluctantly accepts his role as Harlem's hero. But as time goes by, he sees how how much he's inspiring people, and he just goes with it. And it's so good. It's it's weird because after Jessica Jones, you think that he'd be more than willing to step up. Yeah. But Mike Coulter and the way it's written make you believe that, yeah, he doesn't know if he's ready and with good reason. You know, he's he's, he's a scary dude. Yeah. <laughs> he can do a lot of damage. Yeah. He can do a lot of damage to those people around him. And he's got a past. Mm. That, he's, that he's afraid of. Which we get to delve into for episode four is basically... Uh. Episode four of Luke Cage is to Luke Cage what episode seven of Daredevil was to Wilson Fisk. Mm-hmm. It's, we are going to have a full exploration of who this person is and why. I mean, obviously there's the, the flashbacks of Matt as well, but Matt's flashbacks were spread out over the first part of his season. Yeah. Um, this one, and there's, there's a, a concentrated like the first episode. couple get... of episodes of, of Luke Cage kind of take place out a bit out of sequence and it doesn't sort of solidify until... So the, the the second episode has a bit of going back and forth. Yeah, but the end of the second episode is sort of that's the catalyst for the story beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is not to say episode one is without story. Episode one is with a lot of story, but it's mostly character driven. And by character driven, I mean here's the threat. Here's the people that surround the threat. The threat is real. Here are the nice people, and here's what getting coffee looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Episode one is hot. It's. I'm just it's, gonna say it's it. steamy. <laughs> You might, you could, you might official... say, it, get, it makes things a little misty. Oh, dang. This is my official review of episode one. Uh, if ever I would like to stick myself in a cupboard and masturbate furiously, <laughs> it's during the scene in Luke's apartment in episode one. It would be um, Luke Cage's cupboard. Let's, I'm going to get the cast list up because I want to make sure um, I get, everyone, I get everyone's names right. I'm doing it here right now. Because they deserve the praise. Uh, let's just, let's just chuck out some favourite characters and non-spoilery favourite moments. Well, we've got to talk about, um, Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth! Oh my god! Right. The actor's name. I'm going to get his name because I want to get it right because he's freaking amazing. It What's is. What's his name? It's, uh, Mahashala Ali. He is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, because here's the thing. Netflix has perfected the Marvel villain. Yes. And I do think um, this isn't this isn't a knock to him. I do think he doesn't quite reach Kilgrave and Fisk levels, but I think that's down to the fact we're dealing with a different kind of villain here. Yeah. He is definitely every bit as nasty as those. He's got guys. a rage inside him, but he he's is, not. Yeah. He's not absolute psychotic. He, like, get, uh, he gets like Fisk is. Yeah, he gets a scene where he lets it out in a big way, and oh, you yeah. go, "Wow, okay, this guy is oh my god." But I feel like we're not allowed enough time with him for him to to cement himself like those two have done. Uh, for reasons we'll get into in the spoiler section, 
that's kind of understandable. But mm-hmm. for for his contribution when we have him to the show, what he does, frightening villain. Um, without going into full detail, there is a second villain who comes up later as well, uh, who sort of assumes the the main villain spot, uh, who is kind of cartoony. But it works. In a really entertaining way. It's put a lot of people off, judging by some of the reviews. But I found it really entertaining. You you, you dug him as well. Um, We've got to talk about Mariah. Oh, boy. Uh, Mariah, played by Alfre Woodard. Um, She's incredible. Mariah Dillard, she's a local politician. She's she's doing Lex Luthor better than any version of Lex Luthor currently is doing. Yeah. Like, just the twisted, corrupt political um, figure. Um, huge. Um, huge. Huge. Give me huge. Wrong. Um, what a cunt. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise until someone mentioned that a nickname as a kid or whatever was Black Mariah that it was an adaptation of the Black Mariah character. To be fair, because Black Mariah is not really a very good character. Well, hasn't, until David well, Walker and Sanford Green's recent run, hasn't really been a decent character. And also wasn't called Mariah Dillard until David Walker and Sanford Green's recent run, which was in. Which would be published Which would at the same probably, time this was being yeah, filmed. Yeah, it'd be in tandem with yeah. this show. So, yeah. um, but still a very different character from how she is in, in the show. And also, she plays this completely different from how she is in Civil War, in her one scene as another character, as oh, the, yeah, as yeah, the mother of, of the uh, the, um, the guy who died, Al- the kid who died in Sokovia. Woodard, yeah. Um, she does a great job, but a lot of people, myself included, were like, oh, that's going to be a little distracting for me. Nah. Physically, the way she carries herself, the way she like speaks is she's so different. She's she's, she's phenomenal. There is a brilliant scene where she's being again no spoilers, but where she's being interviewed uh, on live television uh, on the news in her home in like sort of what's meant to be a bit of a fluff piece, where suddenly the newscaster brings up something controversial, and the way it's played is just so tense. Mm. She's she's superb. Um, who else? Thea Rossi as Shades. Yeah, Shade's great. Creepy. He's like really, he's really ratty, really weasley. He's horrible. Yeah, like he's what? just this nasty piece of work. Uh, Theo Rossi plays him, describes him as the, the little finger of Luke Cage. Ooh, that's a good description. Uh, he's very, which is, yeah. He's yeah. We like Shades. That's nice. Um, Simone Missick. Simone Missick is my favourite addition to the cast, my favourite addition to the MCU as Misty Knight. Um, did you spot the subtle reference to Misty Knight's robotic arm? Oh Just man, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, she's phenomenal. She's brilliant. Um, and she, she, I think she's, for a bit, she's the main character, in a way. Because we know Luke Cage, but his journey doesn't really kick into gear until post-episode two. During the first couple of episodes, she's kind of the, oh, this is where we're going. This is what Harlem's about. This is what's menacing Harlem right now. Um, she's, she's phenomenal. And there is already call for a Misty Knight spin-off. I would be happy if they did what they're, they're, they're sort of they're teasing with the Punisher if they're doing like a short series. Yeah, I don't know. If, I would love that. I don't know if Misty could do a full thirteen episode no. season in a row. But I, don't, I don't think Frank as... could do a full thirteen episode. I think the Punisher series should be short because the more time you spend with him, the more you're like, yeah, 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 he's not redeemable. Also, I think whereas with Misty Knight, it's like she works better as part of the the story of Harlem. Um, I think there might be a time where she gets to a point where she's a bit more prominent if they follow the comic book story for this character. If maybe I was um, a bet Netflix. Man. What I'd be looking to do <laughs> is roll together some of these characters, not into a full-on defender. So like I think Daredevil can maintain his own, but I think you should probably look at rolling together 
Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist into an ensemble piece Heroes for Hire series. Oh, yeah! Um, maybe I like it, bro. Or at least, or at least Luke Cage and oh, Iron maybe Fist. maybe I like it, bro. Just be, just you could meld the three together. You could turn Alias Investigations into Heroes for yeah. Hire. That would be great. Because then that's a way that we could keep those characters, and then they could have the time and budget to explore other characters yeah. in, in their own series as well. And, and also, I think they're great characters to explore on their own, but an ensemble piece allows everyone to shine without putting too much pressure on a, on a character that maybe doesn't... Like, I like Miss Knight as a character, but she's not really had a solo series. No, she's not ready to have a solo um, series. Down no. the line, she might have cause to. Uh, but it depends. Mm. Um, so, but yeah. And, and before we go into spoilers, because I just want to watch the spoilers, um, this series has two things that work tremendously for it. One of them is Harlem. Yeah. And they filmed as much as they could in Harlem as well. The setting feels like a living, breathing place. Yeah. The cultural appropriation, the the history, like, obviously, sort of, like, specifically, like, the history of, uh, of black culture and everything. It This feels like a completely fleshed-out world. As far as the MCU goes, this is the most developed yeah. um, place, as, uh, place as character. It certainly feels more... It feels like more of a location than Hell's Kitchen did in yeah. Daredevil. Hell's Kitchen sure. feels more like um, more more like a backdrop for the events of Daredevil. Also, because Hell's Kitchen in real life isn't like Hell's Kitchen is in Daredevil anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's 70s. a lot better. <laughs> Whereas Harlem is still Harlem. Yeah, I mean, for in the MCU, about seven years ago, a giant green monster and a big bony beige monster exactly. smashed it up. Exactly. So, so that's, that's not going to help. Either. It's been smashed up. There was a very to... brief mention of that as well, which I thought was quite nice. Before the uh, the incident, yes, yeah, all that stuff with the kids selling the tapes. New York. The kids selling the tapes on the street. Um, you oh, know, so and, and there's been there's been there's been lots of like mentions of how the incident has affected pop culture because mm. the start of Agents of Shield, you've got the action figures. Of yeah. Avengers and things like that. So it's become a wider and also people are now living in a world in the MCU and they do mention it. They know aliens are real. There's still doubters as well. There's, yeah, that's, there's that's, still, that's, that's used for political advantage at one yeah. point as well. The woman but, who snapped a man's neck because he was mind controlling her. Yeah. It's just like, okay, like, live... there's some skepticism still, but there's references to a dude in Hell's Kitchen beating yeah. the shit out of people. There are constant references to Stark. Hammer Tech makes it in. Yeah. He may be in jail with his with his new friend, <laughs> his new uh, his new his new fisty friend, but um, <laughs> fisty nights for Justin Hammer. Um, but like his techs out there, like Hulk gets a mention a lot. Like that, th- yeah. this world is is completely real. Magic Hammer. I think Mjolnir. Though never named, has had more mentions throughout all the Netflix shows than anything else in the MCU. More what? consistent mentions. People refer to, if I had a magic hammer, if you had a magic hammer, the dude with the hammer. I think hammers have a pretty big impact on pop culture. <laughs> when all of a sudden what appears to be a Norse god appears wielding one. Yeah. I think hammers become pretty uh, pretty, pretty important. Probably. I think what, it's really interesting across across this and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because those bigger characters don't appear in them, seeing how it affects the culture of the world and mm. society at large, that this stuff is going on and it's happening. But also culturally, the other big thing about the show that, that stands out is the music. Mm. Luke Cage's soundtrack Oh is man, incredible. that theme tune is... So, the theme tune makes it feel like a exploitation movie. Yeah. 
But, but what's that theme? Just... Yeah. It's that really dirty bass line. And, and again, the credit's great. Just like these shots of what are clearly meant to be like his body. Like it's a naked torso with silhouettes of the city of Harlem of different parts just stretched out. Because the more you watch the, th- the theme, the more you go, that's like a, that's a, that's a back. Yeah. We're looking at a back. That's an arm. He's just got, he's got <laughs> bits of the city projected onto him. It's just, it's so good. Uh, but, and that um, logo, man. Oh, oh. <laughs> but um, like a uh, 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 cotton mouth, the, the you know the, the villain, like he's got what's the name of his club? Harlem's Paradise. Yeah, uh, I've got a list here of just some of the performers that perform there, which is an excuse to get songs in live performances. Oh yeah, uh, oh wow, yeah, it's awesome. Big, Big L, Diamond D, Brand Nubian, D'Angelo, Mob no, Deep. That's, that's his mixtape. Oh, was that his mixtape? Ah, okay. There is a, there is a list somewhere of all the people who, who perform at the Harlem Paradise. Um, but I will say this I'm trying to remember I don't know who the artist is but the Hail to the Chief song Hail to the Chief like that oh god like I mean that was his theme that was his freaking theme and specifically episode 12 has a beautiful moment where uh, Method Man basically spits out this ode to Luke Cage but it's not just about Luke Cage it's about it's basically oh my god it's sort of like a Black Lives Matter Peace, mm. and it's it's freaking beautiful. It's called Bulletproof Love. You could you can listen to that out of context, and it makes sense over on Marvel Entertainment's YouTube channel. Um, it's just phenomenal. And oh man, just I'm I'm in awe. Uh, would I recommend it? Yes, I would especially recommend it if you want something different. If you want something that should set a trend for shows to come. If you've watched the Marvel MCU stuff so far and enjoyed it definitely watch this one because it's just a continuation of this world um i will say that i think tonally it starts to sag in the final third a bit but that seems to be that's fine but you you didn't feel that as much with the other shows either that's true whereas i kind of felt that with the other shows too so i suppose it depends on how you do it uh, maybe how you marathon it or whatever but either way quality product can't wait to see these characters again the next time we get to see luke cage and these characters as far as we know unless they're going to pop up an Iron Fist, is in the Defenders. So we've only got a year to wait, guys. 10 out of 10, Wood Fist again. <laughs> Filthy. Spoiler alert! We're about to talk specifics of Luke oh. Cage. We're going to buy the dirty swine, you little buggers. If you've not watched Luke Cage yet, <laughs> stop listening. go and watch it, and then come back and listen to this. Yeah. I'll um, skip ahead to the time going in the show now. If you're worried about missing, like, if, yeah, if you're worried about missing emails or things like that, don't worry. We're going to cover more of them next week. We've got some recommended reads coming up. Whee! Um, so, Luke Cage spoilers. So that twist halfway through the series, huh? Just, <laughs> just. I mean, so Cottonmouth has been set up in the trailers. Oh, man. And in the first few episodes as they didn't even the release, central antagonist. They didn't even release a character post of a diamond back until after the show came out. Yes. He, couldn't, is he wasn't smart. allowed to talk, to tell people who was in the show mm. or talk about who he was. And he's in half the season. Yeah. He's he's the... I wouldn't say he's the main villain. I'd say the main villain of the Mariah, show is Mariah. Really? Because yeah. we like sort of, sort of Fisk and stuff. We watch her villainy develop. Yeah. But her descent into it, yeah, and her sort of comfortableness. Like by the time she's holding that pistol at the end, and Shade says like it suits you, she's like sort of cradles it, and she doesn't look confident holding it, but she's holding it like she you'd be holding like a photo of a loved one, yeah. And she's like, I know. And by that point, you're like, oh shit! When we come back, 
you're the you're the antagonist. Like, oh my god! Like, but she's definitely the main villain because we watch her progression. But Cottonmouth was was set up as the big bad, and then Mariah kills him. It just it just beats him to death out of nowhere. It's well pushes him out of a window and then beats his skull in with a microphone stand, crushing his I think crushes part of his head. No, no, she she beats and she it's, crushes, it's, it's, she it's caves his, his chest in. It's his chest and his hand that get the like smushed to pieces. Isn't what, ha- it? what happens then later is when he's covered up with a sheet, his his shade beats his face in. Yeah, to destroy uh, his face. Ugh, 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 um, Ugh. To make him make it look like Luke shades, Cage shades doing some Walter White shit. Yeah, like this is how meticulously we're going to cover it up. Basically, do some Harvey Keitel like. But then he keeps the, <laughs> the clothes you're wearing now. We get rid of these. We burn them. There are some fresh clothes upstairs. It was like, oh god. He keeps the bottle that she hits him with as insurance. Yes, he brings it out later on. Yes, so oh. he's not stupid. It's all shades. After oh. uh, Diamondback tries to, he gets taken. He gets arrested. Doesn't give up anything. Then Diamondback tries to knock him off. And he's like, "Well, fuck you, Diamondback." Yeah. So then it's him and Mariah trying to take. Everyone down. plays everyone. Yeah. Um, Christ alive! I loved that. I I loved um Mar- I think Mariah out of the back of it. I think Mariah's my favorite character because of the development. Yeah. Um, which again, when you realise that it's meant to be Black Mariah, you're like, I never thought I'd say that but again, in a million like, years. Black Mariah's not really a, a huge character. Oh, no, no, but like, you never thought in a million years you'd be oh, like, no. my favourite part about the Luke Cage TV show was Black Mariah. Yeah. Um, it's just an odd sensation. Turk! I'm so happy oh, Turk yeah, was in it. Oh, yeah, we got to see Turk again. Got to see Turk, like, taking some time off and being beaten up by Daredevil. He, he's sort of helping spread information. He's doing a bit of arms he's dealing. He's being Turk. He's being Turk. And that was a nice touch. It sort of really reaffirms that, yes, this is the same world. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way that the I can't remember his name now but the, the, the detective who was leading the SWAT team in the last few episodes that's the guy who was leading the team who was trying to take down the Punisher mm. in Daredevil Series 2 so it's like excellent and there's a throwback to like the uh, the 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 the, the shoot up the drive by shootings yeah. the, 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 well Blake, Blake say drive by the standing on a rooftop and blowing the crap out of an yeah. Irish pub shootings uh, Blake Daredevil. Tower turns up yes in office yes um, uh, oh um Shit, who's the, who's the, oh, who is it? I can't remember who's, whose solicitor he is, whose lawyer he is. It's not, it's not Shades. I think it's Mariah's. Oh, yeah, uh, it's Fisk's. It, it's Fisk's lawyer. Fisk's lawyer, it's, uh, From season two. Comes to get Cottonmouth out, I think. That's, the, is it Cottonmouth? Yeah. Yeah, earlier on in the series. Yeah. Um, but that's a nice touch, because it's like, oh god, how many, how many, like, sort of kingpins of crime are you representing? Was Cottonmouth involved with Kingpin's ladder operation? Or is, la- or is that Because that's just... the thing as well. Cottonmouth is not in a position of absolute power when the series begins. No, he's running Harlem, but he's not... But he's waning. On the, on the like sta- he's waning. Yeah. On, the, on the city stage. Yeah. And even in Harlem, he's got he's got competition. Well, yeah, there's another group that are like, look, let's work together. And he's like, okay, fair enough. And then it's like, oh shit, one of our, st- one of our staff members has gone rogue, taken advantage of this deal. And now we're in water, we're at war. Because Cottonmouth is fucked by, like, about an episode before he's taken out of there. Yeah. It's like, where the hell is he going to go from here? And then it looks like he's on the up and up. And then he gets killed off. Um, Mahashala Ali as Cottonmouth. It, it is a shame we don't oh, see more of it. It's just a great performance. Pre-spoilers, when I was saying I don't see him the same as, as, as Kilgrave and Fisk, is because I don't think he's allowed to go much further because of his death. But at the same time, that means his impact on the overall story is huge. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say he's not as good as David Tennant or Vincent D'Onofrio. I think he's every bit as good as those two. But he doesn't get more time to flex that and show off his, 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 
and his also cotton he's not, mouth muscles. He is. He's not. He's a little more sympathetic in a way because it's feel. He feels like he was forced into doing this. Yeah. The flashback episodes for him. Is, the flashback episode for him is really, really sad yeah. and upsetting. And it's really um, Mariah who's better at it. Yeah. Then, she, then but, mom, what a cold bitch. Yeah, she tried to keep him away. <laughs> yeah. She tried to keep him away for it, and forced Cornell into doing Cottonmouth into doing it. Mm. And how he gets his name as well is quite good. Yeah, yet, reusing all the the villain like code names, the street names is quite smart. Yeah. Um, um, but again, like what what what's quite helpful is that Diamondback and Cottonmouth and most of the Serpent Society, those names have belonged in the comics to both like mobsters and yeah. And well, the, and a lot of them. Villains. These are the original versions of those characters, and then those mm. names get reused for the Serpent Society. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people are saying like, oh, what with Diamondback's not taking that commission? Do you think someone will take up that name and we'll have like the female version in the future? And it's like. No. Not in Luke Cage. Not in Luke Cage. Maybe later. Like, maybe in Daredevil or something, you might get something like and that. And also, like the other Netflix series, they actually do a really good job of keeping their villains alive for like, for use later on. Yes. So I think we'll probably... Probably Cottonmouth and Kilgrave. Well, Cottonmouth and Kilgrave. <laughs> and Wesley. Oh, well, Fisk is the main villain. Fisk's yeah. still around. Electra's coming back. Yeah. Let's face Nobu, it. Nobu, Nobu died. Nobu came back. Yeah, you Nobu Frank, Frank kills him. And then came back. Oh, no, he died and then came back. And then Frank kills him. Yeah. But now Electra's going to be the leader of the hand. I think I yeah. still think the hand and Electra are going to be the the threat, the threat in defenders, defenders. Yeah, I think which so. I'd be down with. Because um, if Dick's involved, I think they will be. Uh, who else uh, crops up? We were saying before. There's uh, Trish Talk. Trish Talk. Patsy Walker that uh, makes a very briefly she's got to be held audible in, 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 in cameo. Jessica Jones as well. I just like the fact she's still got a show. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that makes me happy. She's got to be Hellcat. There's reference to Jessica Jones, uh, both the girlfriend shot you point blank with a shotgun, mm-hmm. and the lady the mind control snapping a man's neck. It's yeah. like there's reference to Jessica Jones. I, um, I, I was kind of hoping Jessie would turn up briefly, but she doesn't. No, which I think is I think is fine. And like, also, they're getting sense. Claire and Luke together, which gets in the way of the Luke and Jess relationship, which is like my favorite relationship in the entirety of modern comics. But we could get to that later. But we're gonna get to that later. That could happen later. Claire's expanded involvement. Yes, yes. I get a feeling this is Rosario Dawson's amazing. Sprinkles of Rosario Dawson are working so well. But let's give her something really meaty. Yeah. So basically, we spend the second half of the season with Luke and Claire. Um, and it's, it's so good to see her. Like we've, we've already praised her before. Oh, and, we'll and also, Claire to. Temple is a Luke Cage character originally. And someone calls her a night nurse at one point. Who it, Claire Temple isn't the night nurse in the comics. No, but she's they're separate sort of, characters. Yeah. But they kind of roll them into one here because like like with, like with all the Iron Man villains, they've gone. Let's take a bit of that, a bit of that, and put it into one thing. There you go. You are now the vessel for these two elements. Go. The character who is night nurse in the comics is in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange played by Rachel McAdams. Um. So, which again is kind of cool. Because yeah, I think they're putting cool. some bits from the Oath for that movie, in mm. which the night nurse is a major character. Um. Speaking of sort of uh, characters dropping names and everything, let's talk very briefly briefly about Pop. Oh, great, such a great character. character! I'm trying to find the name of the actor. Cause it becomes kind so of the good. heart of the series as well. Who is Pop? Who is Pop? 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 Uh, Frankie Faison, mm-hmm. uh, reformed gangster, runs a barbershop. He's amazing, and it's so sad to see him go. But also, I just want to point out uh, younger him in the flashbacks and the photo played by Edwin Freeman. He really did look like a younger oh, him. Oh yeah, it's scary. Like, the face match of those two actors is phenomenal. Scary. Like they both have that same kind of quiet. They have quite the sort of the filled out cheeks and the really kind of broad brow and everything they look like the same dude um him calling luke power man mm-hmm. like referring to him as power man so nice look at such a little drop the flashback to uh luke's past or specifically carl lucas's time in jail yeah including the i'm sorry headband no the tiara and the uh like the the, the bracelets uh this in this case both from the machine nice way to get them in there 
and then obviously a yellow shirt and a chain as well, just for a moment. It's like, yay! Because he's got a full head of hair and a beard at this point as well. Yeah. So it's just like, yes! Also, you let, get your glimpse of old school Luke Cage, let's and now we move on. Even an original Luke Cage. Because yeah, <laughs> I've reread the first couple of issues. Like, the first issue of Luke Cage where he gets his costume is like, this is the most ridiculous thing anyone's <laughs> ever worn, but it is all I can afford from this costume shop. Yeah. So I'm going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Plus, if so, you're going to wear something that's going to get riddled with bullet holes, pick something cheap and trashy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also chains. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk about Mike Coulter. Oh, as Luke Cage. Let me count the ways. <laughs> How many times do you want to take him out for a coffee? Oh, um, Mike. If, if ever I was gonna have a man crush, it would be on Mike. Like me and my girlfriend spent most of the series just going, just going. Look at Mike Coulter. Just look at him. He's he's huge. He's he's, he's like he looks like he's made out of bricks. But the best part is he's not. He's not like scary Schwarzenegger. He's, not a, thug. he's not a thug at all. He's he's. He's, he's so- Gen- gentle giant. He's gentle. I think is the best way to describe he's him. Quite, he's got quite soft demeanour. Mm. He's not soft as in he's not a pushover. He's he's got steel to him, but he's not. He's he, not he he's doesn't not feel. Thuggish, he's not he aggressive. doesn't feel threatening. No, he feels powerful. Yeah, and and it, it's it's hard to do that because if you say to somebody, say to an actor like, "We want you to appear like you are dangerous." Their instant, I, I think their instant instinct is to be like, "Right, well, I've got to, I've got to seem threatening. I've got to seem intense." Mm. And Mike Coulter's gone. Okay, I'm going to seem calm and confident. Yeah, because you're not intimidated by anything. Yeah, and that's what works. And he plays that so well. Just, I wonder how, I wonder how long it takes an actor to get used to that, though. Mm. The scenes where someone has to smack you or pretend to shoot you or something. There's only really because a couple of moments. You would flinch. The... Yeah. You would flinch. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many takes it takes <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to, to, to get that non-moving kind of stance. Yeah. And that will also be a part of the stunt choreography and things like that, for when he gets hit in the face, it just doesn't move. Speaking of choreography, he refers to it in the press as slap foo. Yeah. That's, and because he basically does that. He just, like, he just tap a guy on the head and it'll knock him out. It's really smart as well because he's super strong. He can't just go punching everyone full force because yeah. that becomes a plot point later on. He's when yeah. Cottonmouth starts kill, Cottonmouth. Diamond Diamond starts right. killing dudes with the gloves that give him super strength to make it look like Luke's doing it. Yeah. I'm Luke Cage! You watch Luke fight. I'm Luke Cage! And you're like, I mean, that's a really dumb way to try and frame someone. But again, it works. But, but then again, they point it out as well. Yeah, like, like Misty's like, I don't buy any of that because why would he Why would he wear a hoodie? Why would he kill a cop in public why would he kill and a cop scream in Luke, Luke Cage? Cage. Like, that makes no sense. But yeah, he, he so when Luke's fighting regular dudes, he makes a point to be like to slap him, yeah, or push him or throw him. He doesn't. He never hits or kicks him full force. He never. He never goes for it, which it's is very... which is such a nice touch. And again, the so confidence... then again, when, at the end when he can go for it in that fight in that fight with Diamondback, yes, at the end. oh, that was so satisfying. I love the fact that was public. Yeah. I love the fact that he's just surrounded by Harlem. He's got no secret identity. He's yeah. like he's just well, he's. Well, it's, he's it's an, it's an assumed name. Yeah, Carl Lucas still like is wanted for time after escaping prison. Yeah. So his and th- let's just step on that as well. The ending of the series is pretty bleak. Yeah, it's it's for a series that's so positive. You feel like Harlem is a stronger place for him having been there. You feel like Harlem is going to fight back, and if Mariah tries anything, like the people of Harlem are going to be like, "We're on to you." Yeah. Like we've got our eye on you now. Yeah, I think so. Um. And obviously his impact on the area, like they do it during the Bulletproof Love sequence, you see like the guys walking around all wearing hoodies with fake bullet holes in them as a statement. And it's like, oh, that is so nice. Especially when he when he does the store, like he briefly goes to the store and he's like, oh, 
really right now and he goes in and stops the the hot the the, the stick up at the store mm-hmm. with method man and then he basically just like is the hoodie and he's like do you mind? And Method Man's like, Stop yeah. And he gives him, he gives him like this really expensive looking camo hoodie in exchange for this bullet riddled one. And Method Man's like, yes, because it so means cool. something. And then that later goes on to the trend of like that guy, the the shopkeeper, starts selling hoodies with the holes in. in. Yes. Um, and then that becomes a whole sort of movement on the oh, streets of the guy of people wearing the hoodies in solidarity and his interactions with people. He's just the nicest guy. This, he's referred to as, as harmed Captain America at one point. I think mockingly. But it's like, it's true. Like, he's got traditional values. He's a good man. Like, he, his shady past isn't shady. He was framed. He's been, he's been framed yeah. for something. The only crime he's actually committed is dodging the end of his sentence. And he's gone, he's going to face that. He's basically said at the end of the series, I'm going to do the time if that's what it takes, but I'm going to clear my name from the thing. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not shady. He doesn't swear. He makes a big point of telling people to stop using the N word. I think he's actually even exonerated of his original crime as Kyle Lucas by the end of the series. But it's not the point. It's that it's the. Oh escape. no 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 no! The thing that will exonerate him is in that folder. Yeah, it's just the, but it's the yeah. escape that he's also wanted. Yeah, that, for. That's what he's brought back. For. Yeah. And I love that. I love the fact that I'm trying to remember the uh, the the the, um, the chief, the head of the police, when she basically says like they're going to cuff him. Yeah, and he's like, "You won't need those." And they sort of look at her, and she's like, "No, don't." <laughs> and it's like, it, it's such a genuinely nice because it's her way of just basically saying, "Look, I respect what he's done for us. He's gonna, he's going to go with you." Because also, they're, like, they're not going to be do, do him the dignity of at least not being cuffed. Like, yeah. let him go with you peacefully, and they even offer to like stop off at Dunkin' Donuts and get like something to eat on the way. And it's like, this is really kind of sweet. Like, they're not going to be able to hold him in prison if he doesn't want to be held. He could just punch through the wall again. Do you know who I loved as well? Who's that? Um, what's it? Uh, Genghis Connie. Oh, Genghis Connie! <laughs> <laughs> Best the, uh, line. The lady who owns the restaurant that he lives lives above. Um, well, briefly. Brief. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. That is double toasted. Did a review of the series, and they pointed out that that was their favorite, least favorite moment when it reveals um, Cottonmouth on the roof with the bazooka. Yeah. Because the music, it's almost comedic. It cuts to him, and it's something like, it's like, okay, that's a bit much. But then, and then it just blows the shop up. <laughs> but to be fair, it is mo- a bit much because he bazookas the crap out of the building. Um, it's amazing. I love his. I love his selfless attitude. Yeah. Um, the fact that he just leaps in front of people when the shop when Pop's place gets um, mowed down at the end of episode two, the first thing he does is like he sort of yells so that everyone can get down in ample time. The first thing he does, he wraps himself around the kid. Yeah, because he's like he it, that quick moment of like you know assessing the situation. He's like, this is a child. Boom. And but he makes sure everyone gets down. And unfortunately, Pop dies, which is really sad. And I was really sad to see him go. But it is the catalyst for Luke's... Yeah, sort of kicks off the series. Yeah, for Luke's thingy and, 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 and everything. Um, I love the uh, talking down he does to the teen who holds the gun to him in episode yeah, two. Yeah. Which is like one of the only... I think it's only really that and... It's a bit in the flashbacks, but it's that moment and when he's fighting Diamondback are the only moments where he actually loses his temper. Yeah. Although with that kid, it's more sort of a realisation. Yeah. It's like he realises he's sick of this shit. Uh, the prison stuff is great. Um... I was a little distracted by the fact that, and someone could probably clarify this, I'm pretty sure it's the same prison from Series 2 of Daredevil, which we see for a couple of episodes. Well, maybe. Because a couple of the shots 
different directors, but a couple of the shots were kind of the same. And it was like, oh, because reusing it locations, be sets, reusing locations yeah. isn't uncommon for, for, for production departments, but you do have to try and shoot around it to make them look different. And, you know, especially because yeah. it's a significantly different place. Uh, I wonder if there's going to be further plot with the Doctor and the whole method of like making a bulletproof skin and everything. Uh, that's going to be a thread they'll go to later, even though he mostly destroys that lab. That's the other time he loses tempo when he picks up like the plow and just smashes it through the wall. <laughs> there is some oh, good the, destruction oh, the in the show. He picks up a whole three-seater couch and just clubs yes. everyone in the room with it. There's some damn good action. What was nice about this is that unlike Daredevil, and again, this isn't a slight to Daredevil because I freaking love Daredevil. I think I still think Daredevil might be my favourite of the bunch. Daredevil mm. Season 2 might be my favourite season out of these four seasons we've had. It's the, well, it's um, the one that's not... There's a full-on superhero show. Yeah, well, uh, which is nice. Because you've already done all the build between being an actual superhero. But I think... Um, like What I think was nice is that Daredevil's got like a, basically a sequence every episode. Yeah. Sometimes very small. It's a short one. But it has a sequence. Luke Cage doesn't. He doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. It's mm. got maybe six or seven big fight sequences. Yeah. Uh, only a couple of them are huge. The Diamondback fight is obviously big because it's a character thing. Um, and it's a superpowered person versus a dude wearing tech that emulates superpowers. The hallway uh, raid of that building oh, episode the, three, Yeah, the raid on Chris Attics is from the, the one from the trailer with the car door. That is phenomenal. The fight at the, uh, the, the, the boxing place is really good as well. Yeah. There's some great action in there, but it isn't the thing to watch it for no um because also what can you do with luke when he's not when he's just fighting regular dudes it's just he's just keeping them he's just knocking them off knocking them away it's just a case of how smooth it is i think is yeah. the, the joy of it is watching him just take these guys out knowing he can do it the threats aren't the the, the threats of luke cage isn't a physical one it's an emotional one yeah. and the threats of people around him which is why which is I think why the series more, yeah. focuses more on character. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a smart move. And and also, although they do come up with a physical way to fight him, the Judas bullets. Yeah. That is a terrifying concept. Especially mm. when you watch the dude it's being tested on. Oh god, yeah. That's a rip yeah. Oh god, Connell's reaction to that is amazing. He just starts laughing and cheering at the footage. Yeah. Because you watch the guy get shot in the bulletproof vest and it drills and does nothing. And then it explodes like small explosions, and you just see his Basically, I think I don't. I don't think it goes as far as like visceral, but you just see his gut. Oh, you do. Pour you do. Out. You do see a chunk of his of his in, in oh, it's the horrible. And just the whole way, of, like what we've got to do. To, we we can't open him up. We can't make his skin less dense to get the bullets out of Luke. So we're just gonna have to bathe him in acid. Well, what they're for doing long is they're, enough. Yeah, they're reversing. The stuff in, yeah. yeah, they're reversing the process so they can get inside him, get the shrapnel out, and then it'll. That was terrifying. I felt so much for him at that moment. I was I was scared for him. Oh my god. But yeah, I I dug the crap out of it. Uh, in terms of other I'm just thinking of other comic book characters who pop up. There's not too many, is there? Uh, in terms of no. uh, known characters. Scarf is a character in the comics. Um, is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. Who, who who's he? Who's he normally attributed to? No, he's a, he's a, again he's a, a he's a Luke Cage NYPD, character. NYPD dude. Okay, oh, yes, he gets involved. Oh! Yeah. Oh, God, he was in the Jean de Wolf storyline! Yeah. Um, this was Spider-Man, okay. And he's in Shadowland. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> wow, he, he I, was guess, like, I guess I'm going to have to reread Shadowland. He was like I a, can't wait. an upstanding NYPD cop and Misty's partner, and then during Shadowland he goes rogue. Whereas in this, he's, whereas this is he's always rogue. Okay. But yeah. then you get, again, you get that backstory of like, oh, his kid killed himself with a gun that he didn't lock away, so he's got, you know, he's got... And uh, Misty says something quite nice about him. He always laughs, but he never smiles. 
Oh, oh shit, I don't remember where he showed up. Uh, yeah. Oh, you've seen before yeah, Black, Black Tower. Tower. Yeah, yeah, of course. From Daredevil. Um, Reva Connors, of course. Yeah, Reva yeah. Connors is, is. Again, you find out more about that she's more involved in experiments. That she knew more about the experiments than she was letting on. Mm. So she spent a lot of time lying to Luke, which makes her death in um, Jessica Jones even more tragic. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, wow, we really didn't know about you. Nope. The questions he must want to ask her, but they have that. He has that chat with Claire. He's basically like, "No, I fell in love with the her I knew. That's enough. I don't love who she was, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I can't beat myself up about that." But it's also going to help him move on from her, yeah, her, because he is still and get coffee, um, yeah. Because at the start, he has that interaction with Pop at, at, at the uh, at the start of the series where he's like, "Oh, is it still Reaver?" It's like, "It's always Reaver." Oh shit, Comanche was in it. I didn't realise that. Comanche? Yeah, he was one of the inmates who oh, hung out with Shades. Yeah, yeah, it was Comanche. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, cool, I'm down cool. with that. that. Again, that's what's nice about this, is they do slip people in. Yeah. Uh, and the Stan Lee cameo as well. Oh, um, on the poster. Just the poster outside the store. Which, which again, If you see a crime, report it. He's the same chief of police from Daredevil and Jessica Jones and the photo. And the... So basically, Stan's really? cameos in these shows are as the chief of police in New York at enough districts Brilliant. that his posters are up everywhere. Brilliant. I am down with that. That is fine. Um, uh, I also want to mention Dapper Dan's cameo. That was quite nice. Yeah, all, all the musician like cameos were really good, actually. Um, everybody can act, which is the saving grace, <laughs> yeah. I think. Everyone can act. Yeah. Um, you, got, you got Raphael, uh, uh, D-Nice, Faith Evans, uh, they're, the Delphonics. Yes. Uh, they're all performing good. at the club. Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings. Fab Five Freddy. Yeah. I still think Method Man Method Man's a standout for me just because his scene's nice and then you get that extra bit of the radio show. Yeah. Which is really cool. Uh with Sway. And um, I <sighs> I'm so satisfied. I mean we knew we were gonna we knew we were gonna enjoy it. We knew we were going to enjoy it. Because yeah, I've, the I've not spent as much time raving about it as I did about Daredevil because it was just like I just knew it was gonna be good and mm. it was good and it satisfied me. It made me feel all warm and nice inside and I watched it and was like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> Apparently on the 6th of October, there was, um, oh, which is after today yeah. for you be listening, for us right now, before the podcast for you guys listening at home. Uh, so a bit late. Uh, but there's a concert at the, um, what's it? Theatre Theater Ace, Ace Hall Hotel, Hotel in Los Angeles, where 40 Piece Orchestra, along with Ali Shashid Mohammed and Adrian Young, are going to perform the score for the series. Yeah. Hosted by Russell Peters and Wayne Brady. Okay, fair enough. Sure, why not? Um, why has Wayne Brady not appeared in a Marvel thing? I yet? don't know, man. I don't know. I want Wayne Brady to be in everything, though. That's my problem. When they finally get around to doing a musical episode of one of the shows, get Wayne Brady in there to be yeah. smooth as hell. Um, I dug the living crap out of it. I cannot wait to see Iron Fist. I cannot wait to see Luke. Come well, we've back. already got our lead into Iron Fist because we know that Claire's going to be taking martial arts mm. lessons from Colleen Wing. <laughs> we know he's going to. She's been cast for Iron Fist. I can't remember who's playing her, but she's going to be in Iron Fist. That's so good. That's how. That's how Claire's going to meet Danny. So Claire, who I said essentially is our Daredevil connection, is going to be in Iron Fist from that. If we talk about where they originated she's, she's from, the connecting tissue between all the between series. all the shows. But at the same time, we've got uh, Carrie Moss's character from. Jessica Jones yeah, is going to be in Iron Fist. Because, of course, because she's a, she, or rather he in the pages, is an mm-hmm. Iron Fist character. Um, I'm trying to think who else would link in. Who, who from Luke Cage do you think is going to migrate? Like, um, from Luke Cage? I don't know. Misty might pop up, depending on what's that going would, on. That would be quite cool. Although, is it, it's in, is it implied that she's maybe not a police officer anymore at the end of 
Luke Cage? Because when she uh, turns up in the club and she's in a full sort of 70s style costume with the big afro. That was nice. Like the big afro and the she red top. Amazing. Also, what I was pointing out before about the, the reference to her robotic arm. Uh, like when she gets shot oh, in the arm. Oh, they keep teasing it. They keep teasing mm. that she's going to lose her arm. She's going to lose her arm. If you, not get, if you don't get this scene, so you're going to lose your arm. You're going to lose your arm. If, you're not, if you don't look after this wound. And then she's just I like, think they'll find a way around it. I think she'll end up getting like, I think she'll end up using some of the salvage hammer tech. It also makes sense. To like, does... sort of give her like a brace around her arm or yeah. something. It does oh, make sense though, because like, of course, they're not going to make her lose her arm fuck's she gonna get out? Forgot as well the Judas bullet. The Judas bullet was Chitauri tech. Yeah, it was metal from the Chitauri yeah, invasion of New York. Scavenged alien metal, yeah. Which is amazing because that means that item forty-seven, the one shot, is like, oh, there's more of this. That's, that's also a running theme throughout um, Agents of Shield. Yeah, oh, it's like man. various bits of we alien. Need, we need tech to get on the Ghost Rider episodes, man. They're not apparently, a UK broadcast. They're yeah, real they? good. Apparently, they're real good. Not a UK. The, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is shit at doing teaser posters. I will teaser see... Teaser just... Here's a photo we took on set. We're going to superimpose them mm. over a black background. Awful. I it's not as bad as Arrow's teaser do. posters, which is just, here are a bunch of greased, topless men. <laughs> okay? Are you going to tell us anything about the show? doing the salmon ladder again. Are you going to tell us anything about the show? No, but here's Diggle's abs. Okay, fair okay, enough. Okay, cool, cool. All right. <laughs> so, for me. we give Luke Cage... Ten smooth coffees. I would I would give it nine smooth coffees out of ten chains. <laughs> I don't think it's perfect, but it's pretty fucking. You know, I give it nine out of ten too. Yeah. I think that's been the average though for for these shows. Mm. I think they're all they're all on the cusp of perfection. I think what maybe could do it is, and again, it's not necessarily the pacing issue, but like knock them down to ten episodes, just yeah. make the story a little tighter. Um, and now that we've gotten to the point where um, Diamondback has been in his costume. Go balls to the wall. Just give us some super villain fights. Mm. Let's do it. Um, and as for let's do it, that'll do it for this week, you handsome bunch of BL strides. Ooh, do we not want to talk about uh, Oh, go on, no, yeah, we'll chuck in some recommended... Oh, chuck in some recommended... Do you know what? P.S., because we love you so much. Yeah. Um, let's stick in some so recommended readings. If you have not read any Luke Cage, you want to get on the more the Luke Cage train. Uh, Luke Cage is probably my favourite Marvel character, although particularly the later, more modern Luke Cage stuff, the earlier stuff I'm not as familiar with, just because that stuff is not... They've only really just started reprinting that stuff properly. Plus, tonally, the seventies kind of yeah. There's some there's some problems with the yeah. There's some problems with the caricatures and some of the characterisation. But if you do want to check out some early Luke Cage, uh, grab the Marvel Masterworks volume of Luke Cage, which I think reprints the first ten issues of Hero for Hire. The Marvel just released an epic collection of uh, Palman and Iron Fist, which is the first bunch of Palman and Iron Fist issues. Um, for proper modern Luke Cage, what you want to do is you want to hit Alias and the Pulse. Mm-hmm. Which is Jessica Jones series primarily, but it does have quite a bit of Luke Cage in them, and it also is the beginning of their relationship. And <laughs> the beginning of the yeah. first issue. Yes. The beginning of a very specific part of their relationship. Yes, exactly. Uh, which then carries through the development of that. Then that <laughs> is a major, major character to offer both of my Brian Michael Bendis' New Avengers runs, which are both great comics anyway. But that's the version of the character that I really fell in love with. Yeah, I'd re- I would heavily recommend, especially uh, yeah. uh, New Avengers Volume One from the. Uh, I guess it was. Uh, oh God, what was that Marvel Heroic Age? Yeah, from the um, start there, the Brian Bendis written one uh, because in that first story you get Doctor Strange elements, but you also specifically get Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist on mm-hmm. that team. So you can delve into that. Is Daredevil in that book? He is later on, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Spidey's in there as well. Spidey's Check in Spidey there. for a bit of fun. The volume of New Avengers before that is the one where you get Luke and Jessica's wedding. <laughs> um, and also, <laughs> uh, that continues on into Al Ewing's Mighty Avengers, which I haven't read all of, but I've read a, a good chunk of the start of. And again, Luke... If you can get past the Greg Land artwork. Yeah, well, that's only for a few issues. Yeah. But Luke spends <laughs> a good chunk of, spent a good chunk of the 2000s leading 
or being a major part of a various Avengers teams. So he, that's when he hit the big leagues, and a lot of it is like that. That him his character's development, going through from being the seventy street guy through to the modern, more calm, um, Luke, who's now a husband and a father. Mm. Uh, at that part of his and a damn character. good father as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, to more of that, then current, Marvel are currently publishing Power Man and Iron Fist, uh, written by David Walker, with art by Sanford Green. They're really about, kinetic artwork. They're as about well. eight issues in, so it's kind of it, the current last couple of issues have been caught up in the whole Civil War Two thing. But um, we're at trade paperback time. There'll be a volume out of that. The, the, yeah. the first volume of that is already out, and that's a that's a story that in, that's a story that reinvents Black Mariah for a modern. It's a modern, more modern take on her, which gets rid of some of the more problematic um, racial racial uh, stereotype moments the 70s, of the yeah. of the original version of that character. Although it's still a very, very different character from what you see in um, in the Netflix show. But I would definitely recommend, uh, if if you can pick up the first trade, if not, head on to Comicsology and pick up the singles of Power Man and Iron Fist by David Walker and Sanford Green. Get some Luke Cage in your eyes, give it a read. And if you can find the random issue from the mid-90s of Sensational Spider-Man where Ben Riley Spider-Man fights the Trapster whilst teamed up with mm. Luke Cage oh, and Iron there's Fist. there's some bad 90s Luke Cage, but we'll talk about that Well, that was, the, that was their sort of, that was their subtle, soft reintroduction to Marvel readers. It was an oh, issue bro. of Sensational Spider-Man where they're fighting, I think it's the Trapster. No, I can't remember his name, but it was a villain who got a bunch of tech from like, the Trapster Stiltman. He got a load of their tech oh, okay, okay. and was wearing it. And basically, um, I can't remember why, but like, Somehow Ben Riley convinces Luke Cage and Danny Rand to come out of retirement. And the whole thing was Spidey teams up with Power Man and Iron Fist. Awesome. And it's cheesy as hell. And it's mostly them referring to, wow, these costumes are kind of dumb. What are we doing here? Oh, yeah, because then he gets Sweet the Christmas. To be fair, he doesn't really have a costume anymore. The the Sanford, yeah. the Sanford Green design has him in a um, yellow shirt with black pants and a black waistcoat. So there's a callback to so this colour scheme. Really Which cool. is, in the Netflix show, there was lots of yellows. Even when yeah. he had like the checkered shirt, it was sort of like a faint yellow and black and everything. There's, there's, and there's the, the black hoodie with the, with hoodie, the yellow, yeah. Which is nice. But cool. most of the time, nowadays, you'll find Luke Cage just in like a tight t-shirt, punching stuff. Yeah, he's... he's Sometimes he's just, with a beanie. He doesn't have a superhero <laughs> costume, per se. He's which is kind of great, costume. though. Yeah. I love that. But he's, he also doesn't have a secret identity. He's just Luke Cage. <laughs> so... You know. He can't afford a superhero costume. He's too busy buying his clothes again and again after they keep getting oh, torn man. and shot. Yeah, which again is a running gag in the in the new in the new Palmer and Iris series. So go out there, buy a grey hoodie, stick a load of fake bullet holes in it. By you know, cutting them in, don't get shot at. Yeah. Um yeah. and we will see you next week. We will well, we won't see you because you'll be listening to us. And we won't hear you either, because one that works one. You'll way. hear us. Yeah. You'll you'll hear us next week. Yeah. You'll hear us next week in your dreams. And on iTunes. Bye! Bye! (laughs) Oh, baby, I like it raw. So many sweet Christmases in that show. I was was happy. (laughs) 